Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. It is time for our Encounter with God Bible study. But before we do that, I'm going to hit you with another clue for our quiz. This is clue number four. Very interesting. All the clues are so easy when you already know the answer. Well, I don't know. Because yeah, I got the answer off the first one and then I was like, well, the next one is just easy. And the next one, oh, that's just easy. But I think it's because I already know the answer. Yeah. But also it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, same. I, I knew this one pretty quick because, yeah, it's when I was a kid, this was my favorite. The Priscilla is one of my favorites. Okay, but the fourth clue is uh, pretty <laughs> yeah, def- interesting. Definitely a favorite little girl story. The fourth clue. I held the first recorded beauty contest in the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who held the first beauty pageant? It's not Donald Trump, although he's definitely into that. <coughs> well, did you know that? Did you know that Donald Trump owns like the Miss Universe pageant? No, nah, but I'm not surprised. I mean, what does what doesn't Donald Trump have a have a you a know own, pie, ownership yeah. of and a p- finger in yeah. the pie of? Yeah, he he um he own, I think I, I think he owns multiple pageants, but I think he does own the big one. So yeah, that makes my skin crawl. <laughs> anyway, sorry, got the heebie-jeebies over here. <laughs> uh, dear. Okay, so let's go back to the book of Acts as we continue on with our um, twenty million movement. Twenty million movement. Our um, encounter with God was the word that I'm looking for. What? Why is my brain working slow today? Uh, it's there's no excuse. It's not Monday. It's not Hump Day Wednesday, and it's not Friday either. So you got no. So what's, what's, what's Tuesday called? There must be a word for Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you. Maybe this is a permanent situation. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't very nice. Actually, yeah. before we get into this, we should just repeat a couple of um, details from our last interview. Yes. So, if you would like to donate to um, help our farmers in need, then the, uh, the number to call is uh, 1-800-242-372 and make a tax-deductible donation to our farmers who are in need right there at ADRA or you can go to ADRA, A-D-R-A, dot org, dot A-U and make your tax-deductible donations there. And, of course, if you are struggling with uh, feeling a little bit down, feeling a little bit depressed, not sure whether you are depressed or not, or pretty sure that you are, whatever it might be, then there is a list of phone numbers beginning with the Lifeline number on our social media for you to call. And we encourage you to do so. Don't just curl up in bed and pull a sheet over your head and hope that it all goes away tomorrow uh, because it will be just in, it, it will be life changing for you to get the help that you need. Yeah, I, I just want to I just want to say that there is absolutely no shame in going and getting it checked out. Like if you're not sure, but you know you heard David just uh, you know I guess interview give a list of of symptoms basically. You know if you're coughing, if you're sneezing, if you have a sore throat, these are all symptoms of like having the flu. Mm. But if you know if you've if you're dealing with these hits to your brain and you know those are symptoms, there's absolutely no shame in going to the doctor and saying, can I get checked out? I'm, you know, I don't know if I have depression. I'm not sure, but can I just get checked out? Like, it's just a simple step and um, and the whole of Australia supports you in doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm about to post all this up on, on, our, on our social medias. Um, so there'll be all the helplines as well as how to donate. Yep. So. Fantastic. Very good. All right. Let's uh, go to our encounter with God. And we are in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Let's begin reading in verse 11. Acts 16, 16 and verse 11. Is that where we got up to? I think we got up to verse 11. I think so, yeah. Okay. 
So it starts with the word Yes, we. that's right, because he went to Troas. All right, mm-hmm. so we were looking at, and this was something we were talking about yesterday, so just reminding ourselves of where we're up to. We find that the Holy Spirit was guiding Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul wanted to go here and the Holy Spirit said no. Paul wanted to go there, the Holy Spirit went and said no. Paul wanted to go somewhere else and the Holy Spirit just tell, kept sending no. And it was almost like he was being funneled, you know, like like yeah. cattle are, yeah. into the port town of Troas. He arrives in Troas and something most interesting takes place. We boarded a boat at Troas. Actually, verse, verse 10 for us. Verse 10 as well. Uh, so we decided to... No, v- verse 9. Sorry, verse 9. <laughs> Don't we just start at the beginning? Yeah. No, nah, just start in verse <laughs> 9. Genesis 1-1. <laughs> <laughs> verse 9. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. Sorry, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. I've been there. It sounds like ice cream, Neapolis. Have you been to Neapolis? I don't. No, I don't think so. No. Okay, it's a cool place. Um, from there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So, what 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 is what happens to Paul right here when he arrives in Troas? Um, a vision. Uh, no, that's before he arrived in Troas. He has a vision, and then he gets on the Where boat to Troas. I was wondering what you were talking about. I'm like, it doesn't say he did anything when he got to Troas. <laughs> but he has an incredible vision beforehand. No, no, no. You're wrong. No, I'm right. No, you're wrong. Hey, it says wrong. that night Paul had a vision, so yes, he has a vision, uh-huh. so he concludes uh-huh. that he has Keep to digging. go there. Keep digging. And then it says we Keep boarded digging. a boat to Troas and sailed straight across the island of Shoa, that word again. Samothracia. That's the one. Samothracia. Yeah. That's okay. a cool word. Watch verse 8. So instead verse they went on to... My to the seaport of Tres. Okay, they went on from Mysia to the seaport of Tres, and when they got to Tres, he had a vision in verse nine. Oh, and then he boarded a boat at Troas and said, "Okay, my yeah, bad, my bad." See, I was wrong. <laughs> Hand over the humble pie. Put some cream on it for me. <laughs> I am so glad that I get to help. I've been holding that bowl for so long now. <laughs> it's my turn to scoff at it. Oh, yum yum! And I saw pie. my opportunity and I seized it. <laughs> Do you know, when I envision humble pie I literally envision in my brain a pie that has no fillings and it's just a dusty dry crust that you have to sort of like chew your way through and it has no apples or berries or nothing in the middle oh my humble pie my vision of humble pie is quite different it has a crust yeah and it has grey filling because grey is just like you know the, the dead it's the colour of death that is just muck oh, nothing other than muck I guess uh, tasteless flavourless Muck. Mine's the kind where, like, you know, when you're eating something so dry and you're desperate for a drink and you can't, you can barely like, talk because your mouth's full of like dry, dusty, dry wheat bix. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's that's. I guess because I hate that food experience. That to me is humble pie. <laughs> I was wrong, everyone. I'm announcing it on live radio. I was wrong, but here's the answer. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that Tuesday isn't hitting. I'm, <laughs> is, I'm not the only one who Tuesday is hitting. Okay, so Troas, he got to Troas and he had a really cool vision. You have to admit, that's a really cool vision. Yeah, that's if right. If you're looking for direction from God and that's, that's the pretty answer, clear. that's, yeah. That's pretty clear. Yeah, no messing around with that one. Okay, so he gets, in, he gets into uh, Philippi, heads over there to that city. And uh, for anybody who's interested, that's a great place to go and visit. Um, 
it's there's there's a, a lot of um, really nice ruins there to see. There's a uh, what country is it in? Modern country? Uh, in the country of Greece now. Of course, okay. it was Macedonia back then, but I probably it was, have it's called been Greece to it now. Then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, possibly. Yep. Because I did I did a I did a tour of entire country of Greece and went to all the big archaeological sites and that kind of thing. Oh, you would have gone to Philippi then. I was there for like two three weeks. The only problem is, and I definitely went to Philippi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The only problem is like it's all sort of mashed into one big archaeological site in my brain because <laughs> after like after like what, what the first week you start to lose track and everything looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. There was once or twice when I didn't get off the tour bus for two reasons. One, I picked up a bug. Oh, and I was feeling thing. I was feeling crook, and I just sat on the tour bus while everyone else went off. And they're like, "Oh, you're going to miss out on such and such a site." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's going to be another pile of rocks." Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen enough piles of rocks, but Philippi was a cool place because here's the thing that I liked about Philippi: mm. it had a beautiful crystal clear river running through the middle of it. Oh, Do you remember that? Nice. No, I. Okay, and there's a baptismal spot there because of part of this story right here. Okay, there's a very famous place to be baptized there, and this is what I would recommend to anybody who would like to. Travel overseas and have a you know, a biblical based baptism. Mm-hmm. Most people go to the Jordan River to be baptized where Jesus was baptized. Mm-hmm. However, the biggest baptismal site is um, you know like a hundred kilometers north of where Jesus was baptized. Oh. And the reason that they get baptized there is because the water is a bit cleaner. Okay, okay. There is a baptismal site down near the traditional. Uh, baptismal site of Jesus, and, they, and they've put you know platforms in underneath the water so that you don't sink into the mud, mm-hmm. and you can't see more than you know five millimeters through the water because it's so full of sediment. Oh, it's wow. a very very muddy river at uh-huh. that particular point. Whereas, if you want to have a, a biblical baptism, I'd say go to Philippi. Oh. Crystal clear, running water, beautiful Sounds little chapel lovely. right there. Oh, it is just a magic spot for a baptism. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, that's if I was going to have a uh, a Bible baptism in a biblical site, that is exactly where I would choose to uh, to have it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. We should put Philippi on our Axe World Tour that we're going to go on next year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Give us a call, 1-800-324-843 to register your interest. One thing that I do remember about my tour is the Chapel of Milk. Do you ever see that? No. Yeah. It was really cool. It's a little chapel and they called it the Chapel of Milk because when they built it, you know, way back in the day, they didn't have any water, much like our farmers today. And so instead of... Um, you know, making uh, mortar with the water, to, you know, to make the cement kind of stuff. They used uh, goat milk from the from the goats that they were herding. That's interesting. Where, yeah. did, they, where did the goats get the water to make milk so that they could I'm make water? I'm guessing that goats eat anything. So I don't know. <laughs> this is true. I've had goats. They will eat anything, including your hair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Acts chapter 16. Let's read on. Where were we up to? We came to Philippi. 13. Philippi. 13, yes. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak to some women who gathered there. Okay, now this is different. Mm -hmm. In every other city that Paul has gone to, whereabouts has he gone on the Sabbath day? The synagogue. And what does he do here in Philippi? He goes to a riverbank. Why would he do that? Yeah, I'm guessing it's because there's no synagogues there because they're all pagans. I, I would well, I would say that they're not all pagans. I would, I would, I would agree with the first part of your statement and not the second part. Okay, okay. I would say that yes, there's probably not a synagogue there, and mm-hmm. no, they're probably not all pagans. And so, the followers of God, where do they go on the Sabbath day? And what do they do? 
Maybe they go to the riverbank. Maybe they have outside church. They have bush church. This is Kenya. <laughs> there you go. I've had bush church here in Australia. Bush church is me too. It's amazing. I love bush church. The only, you know, the only thing I don't like about bush church is when you're preaching, yeah, your voice right. goes nowhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to preach. Do you know, in Western Australia, the church, I think once a year, they have a combined church. They have multiple churches and they all get together and they drive for hours out in the bush and they have bush church, but they have a natural amphitheater. Oh, nice. And so hundreds of people get together from, from many different congregations and they have bush church and, it's, and, and it works and it's amazing. Whereabouts is this natural amphitheater? Amphi- it's out near the Mundaring Weir. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, out in that section of the world. So, yeah. I was thinking really cool. of sort of like, Wave rock, you know, that'd be good to bounce no, that's, your voice off. Uh, that, that would be like a whole weekend trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was nine when I went there. Maybe my distances wave rock is cool. um, have uh, been challenged since. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. It was a very cool spot. But, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's wonderful that they – and this is, of course, you can go to that spot where traditionally they went um, to the river. To the riverbank. Met with the disciples, that went with the followers of God there, mm-hmm. witnessed to them, mm-hmm. uh, baptised them. And uh, you can be baptised in that same river there today. And they meet a special lady here. They do indeed. Let's uh, continue reading on all about it. One of the women was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptised and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a sleep. Wait, wait, wait. wait. We're moving on to another um, another story there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's think about this uh, this lady. She is a seller of purple. The Bible says a, a merchant mm-hmm. who uh, who uh, deals in purple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that might be significant? Uh, isn't purple like a royal colour or something? I don't know. Why was it a royal colour? Because the royals wore it. <laughs> Why did only royal people wear it? I guess because it was expensive yeah. and rare. It was extremely expensive and extremely rare. So to why. create purple dye, mm. the only way that you could create purple dye in the ancient world was from a very small shellfish that lives in the Mediterranean. I knew you were going to say some sort of bug. Yeah. It's a very, very small shellfish, lives in the Mediterranean, is very rare, and you have to have a massive quantity of it to be able to create purple dye. So did you have to fish for this thing on the Mediterranean Sea or something? Depends how you define fishing. No, you didn't go out with bait and hook. No, it's like with nets or like... No, you go around and collect them off the rocks and dive for them. Oh, okay. Oh, that's pretty dangerous. You had to find them. Okay, yeah. You had to find them, then you had to collect them, and they are rare and they are tiny, Mm -hmm. and you have to have huge amounts of them to be able to create a small amount of dye, resulting in a beautiful Mm colour that only royalty could afford. Now, there was a very, very large gap Mm -hmm. between the wealthy and the poor in those days. Mm -hmm. Uh, The middle class was not really a big thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you find here somebody who is a seller of purple – then this is going to be a person of wealth and influence. Yeah, yeah. And so she's come from the city of Thyatira, of course, in the book of Revelation. You find that there is a letter to the church in Thyatira. And the letter to the church in Thyatira talks about the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. And the Antichrist is depicted in uh, Revelation chapter 17 as wearing, guess what color? Purple. Purple and Uh scarlet. Uh Uh-oh. Color of royalty and the color of blood. But that doesn't mean that Lydia, the lady in this story, is the Antichrist, does it? Not at all. No. Not at all. No. She is the complete opposite of that because she is somebody who accepts Jesus Christ 
and decides to be baptized right there in the river where you can go and be baptized yourself right now. So when the Bible says she was a seller of purple, that's actually what it meant. Like it's a, it's a bit of a, like it gives you a clue as to you know yeah, who she was and what yeah. she did and that kind of thing. Oh, uh-huh. sorry. I've always wondered about that's like why did I have to mention that she was a seller of purple? It doesn't really mention you know exactly what everybody else was doing. Just you know Lydia gets gets this like look in. Yeah, no, the Bible doesn't say about what Barnabas did. The Bible yeah, doesn't no. say anything about what you know yeah. Timothy did or Titus no. or any of these mm-hmm. other guys. But mm-hmm. it does say that this particular and it's also interesting because you know in the culture of the time, women were typically uh, less educated than men, if mm-hmm. not uneducated, particularly in Greek circles. Now, mm-hmm. of course, in in in, uh, in the Jewish economy, in the Jewish culture, women were just as educated as men. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn that, you, you look at Jesus, you know, he learned from, uh, he was homeschooled by his mother. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, in the Greek culture, women did not have that privilege of education and power and influence and, you know, typically weren't business women like you might find in Jewish culture where that was um, exalted if, if women could do that. And yet here's a woman who is bucking all the norms mm-hmm. and she is out there and she is um, going hard. She's a businesswoman. She's making... She's a hustler. She, absolutely. Do you reckon she was educated somehow? I would say so, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Either, either you know, she, this she 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 seems to be the kind of woman who is going to educate herself regardless of whether it's available yeah. or not. Yeah, and you, of course, you find those kind of people in all cultures. I the thing I like about this story is it's 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 a gentle reminder to Christians to um to not just focus on poor people because mm-hmm. rich people need Jesus just as much as poor people. But we seem to have this, you know, when people think of uh, mission work or missionaries work, we seem to be like only focus on like, you know, the destitute, the lower socioeconomic groups. Um, and we forget that people, you know, of wealth and uh, people who live in the big mansions, they also need Jesus. They have tremendous need. Yeah, and they're, and they're open to it. it mm-hmm. You know, it might not – I guess it can be seen as harder because they, they they seem self-sufficient. They have everything they need. They don't feel their need. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this this story is, you know, really tells – you know, she was just sitting there and she got baptized straight away. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's a great story. And the other thing that I that jumps out to me out of this story, of course, is Paul's habit mm-hmm. was to keep the Sabbath. Mm, that's right, yeah. You know, he goes to a, you know, we, we, we say, oh, you know, Paul went to all the synagogues because that's where the Jews were and he always started by preaching to the Jews. And that's true to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. What you find when you go through the book of Acts is that Paul preached to the Gentiles on the Sabbath day as well. Mm-hmm. Paul was a Sabbath keeper. Mm-hmm. And so if he's in a city where there is no church and there is no synagogue, he goes to a place of prayer on the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. When Paul establishes a, a Bible training school in the book in in the um, in Ephesus, you know every Sabbath day he's there teaching the Word of God, and this is the this is the the principle that we find throughout the Bible. Paul was a Sabbath keeper. The Sabbath wasn't changed until centuries after the time of Paul, uh, from Saturday to Sunday. And of course, when they did change it, they the you know initially it was a two day weekend because they would worship on Sunday because that was their day like oh yeah let's reach out to pagans because their day of worship will make this our evangelistic day, but they still kept the Sabbath they as did, their day yeah. of worship yeah and yet you know that the origin right there of our two day weekend the one the one thing that we can be thankful for <laughs> I didn't realize that's where it came from how cool yeah yeah it was all part of that um, transfer from uh, Sabbath worship to Sunday worship. Oh, there you go. Two days mm. off. Oh, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about two days off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
other things I'd probably complain about, as in a lack of fidelity to the Word of God. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah. I think we should follow what the Bible says, and I think we should follow the example of Jesus mm-hmm. in all things. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we don't do things to get saved. We do things because we are. Amen. And that's why I choose to keep the Sabbath day, is because if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. You can never go wrong following the example of Jesus. And this is something he asked me to do. So if he asked me to do it, and he asked me to do it right down to the end of time, I'm happy to do so because he gave his life for me. This is Alison Brooks with no words. The swirling darkness bearing down I've got the smile turned to a frown The weight of sin, the bitter cup of woe The dregs he drank that choked his cry As even Jesus asked God
Welcome back, guys. You are listening to uh, Alison Brooks with No Words here on Faith FM. We are back with our encounter with God, Bon, and we have a most interesting story to read now. Let's go to Acts <coughs> chapter 16, and why don't you read for us? Ah, verse 16, please. From uh, and onwards. Uh, 16 verse 16. 16 and onwards. One day as we were going down to the palace, or palace <laughs> to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Okay, now that's an interesting story right there, isn't it? That is a very interesting story. Why would Satan be going around proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour? Has he no other choice? Is he compelled to do it? Okay, well then why, if he's compelled to do so by God, would Paul bring it to an end and stop it? Uh, maybe he was interfering because someone keeps shouting. doesn't matter what they're shouting. It's going to get annoying after a while. Yeah, a friend of mine was talking about this recently and he pointed out something most interesting. And one of the things that uh, – one of the questions he, he was asked was – he does a radio show as well. He mm-hmm. was asked, why are there so many weird people in church? <laughs> <laughs> why are there so that many weird – excellent <laughs> question. <laughs> and, you know, you can sort of think of your average kind of person who rocks up at church, and I've seen it happen many, many times, and typically it's the weirdest person in church who goes up and talks to them first, and you see this look come across their face like, what on earth have mm-hmm. I walked into? Mm-hmm. And you only have to have one or two. Every church has one or two. That's right. That's right. We love them to bits. Yeah. But they're weird. That's right. They are just strange. Uh-huh. Someone needs to be the fruit in the fruitcake. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So every church has some fruit and uh, it's just the way it is. But having that fruit in the fruitcake or that fruit loop in your church isn't always the most attractive part of your church. That's true. Mm-hmm. And the devil, I've seen the devil use it over and over and over again. He will use somebody who is saying the right things but is super weird about it uh-huh. to completely discredit the entire message of the church service. Yep, yep. And this is what you've got happening right here. Mm-hmm. You know, this girl is known as known for being, you know, pretty much off her nut. Mm-hmm. As well as being um, a, a, a sorceress and all this kind yeah, of thing, yeah. and you know, possibly mentally ill at the same time because mm-hmm. mentally ill people in that culture, of course, were seen as being people who were, you know, you know they start to hear voices and like, oh, well, they're in contact with the spirits mm-hmm. rather than just noticing that they had uh, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And so they would uh, then ask them, well, what are the spirits saying about this? And what are the spirits saying about that? And then, of course, people would own them and then people would charge money for it and mm-hmm. and use these kind of people in terrible, terrible ways. And that's what's happening right here. And Paul's like, okay, this is enough. Enough is enough. Enough weirdness, enough strangeness is going on. People are rejecting the message because of what is happening here. Turns around and rebukes the spirit, casts the demon out of her, and she becomes healed. How do the townsfolk respond there, Mon? Why don't you keep reading for us? Actually, like her masters get pretty mad. So it says her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. 
A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the By the way, you can go to that marketplace and you can stand exactly where they stood. Oh, really? There are some sites that are genuine sites and this is one of the genuine sites in the ancient world. That's cool. Yep. Uh, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And wait, 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 wait a minute. What were they doing? They were singing at midnight after having been beaten and clamped why, up. Why were they doing that? Why weren't they sleeping? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, think about this. If you've been beaten, and typically those days you'd be whipped on your back. So your back mm-hmm. is in shreds. Mm-hmm. You have your feet in, your, in the stocks. You can't lie down. You're probably pretty sore, yeah. yeah. It's impossible for you to lie down. Mm-hmm. You can't sleep. Mm-hmm. You're in absolute agony and pain. So what do you do? Might as well sing. Sit there and whinge and complain. I think most of us would do that, but not Paul and Silas. They sit there and sing. Sing to God. Actually very good for their mental health. Um, the other prisoners were listening and suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its very foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, this is a this is a um, this is a, a remarkable story. conversion uh-huh, story right uh-huh. here. From suicide to salvation in the space mm-hmm. of ten minutes. Yep. But it just goes to show because we were talking about suicide during our uh, interview and David was bringing out every person who has survived suicide attempts um, in in relationship to the Golden Gate Bridge research Mm -hmm. has regretted their decision to take their life the moment they acted on it. That's right, yeah. Now, why would the jailer be considering suicide at this particular point, do you think? Well, isn't... isn't, um it wasn't it back then that if you were a jailer and prisoners got out that they killed you? That was in a very a long sense. and painful and slow way. You'd be probably crucified. Yeah, it's terrible. And suicide to him was a better option than crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he takes his sword out and is just like, I'm going to end it now before they capture me and lock me up and I end up getting crucified, even though it wasn't his fault in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Paul and Silas have the opportunity to escape. What do they do? Uh, they don't. They don't. They and don't they make escape. sure that nobody else does either. Yeah, and they make sure this guy doesn't take his own life. So they save his life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. This is a good story all the way around, which has an amazing ending. Keep reading for us. Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. So this was a busy night. Yeah, really busy night. <laughs> they get beaten. They get locked up in the stocks. There's an earthquake. Uh-huh. They save uh, the life of a jailer from suicide. He's then converted. Then his whole household is converted. Then he gets baptized. Then he cleans their wounds and then they have breakfast. Yeah. In that, yeah, in pretty much, pretty much that order. It's a big pretty night. much that order. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because like he was going to kill himself because he thought they'd all run away and then he ends up setting them free anyway. 
Oh, that you continue on with the story, and we're going to have to um, look at this in more detail tomorrow. In fact, why, why don't we just finish out a little bit of the story and see what happens here? The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said that you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. And you're all no doubt sitting around breakfast at this point. Uh-huh. But Paul replied, "We have publicly, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Not let them come out themselves to release us. When the poor, when the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Okay, so that pretty much wow. ends the story there of a very, very busy night. Uh-huh. And, of course, it was illegal to beat a Roman citizen without a trial. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize, of course, that these men were Ro- both of them Roman citizens. Mm-hmm. And so now they were in a lot of hot water, particularly as this was a Roman city yeah. in a uh, Macedonian province. Okay, so we're going to talk more about this story tomorrow. We're going to come back and uh, look at some other details, particularly in relation to baptism. But this is Matt and Josie Minikers with Delight in the Lord. Thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He to help us be more forgiving, a program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness, a relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Hey Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh Day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshiping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m. Service at 11 a.m. And guess what? That's followed by. Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile.
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. I'm going to give you the last clue for this quiz. I can't believe no one has called in. This clu- this quiz is so easy. Who am I? This is going to be the, probably the easiest one ever. And it'll probably tell you, if you're not sure of how to pronounce this person's name, it'll tell you exactly where to look up in the Bible to make sure. <coughs> last clue. I chose Esther. Out of all the women in the beauty contest to be my queen. You know, I was thinking about this because the actual individual's name is not that well known in the Bible. Maybe that's why it hasn't um, come yeah. through yet. Because, it's a weird name. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a Persian name. Well, I've never met anyone with this name, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you reckon there are, there are still Persians out there who might have this name? I would think so. Okay. I would be surprised if there's not, but I don't know. I'll, I have some Persian friends. Maybe I should ask them. Um, if you know the answer, give us a call, of course. <coughs> the number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. And uh, if you can get it right, we will send you the prize. And I'm just scrolling through my messages to find where I put the, the question of, of the, the day. day. I know what the question of the day is. You already told yeah, me what the question yeah, of the day is. No, but like there's like a couple of like sub-questions underneath it. Oh, do you know what I mean? really? So okay, I, um, that might catch me by surprise then. Yeah, well, it's sort of all part and parcel of the... Okay, hang on. Okay, got it. Let me get my camera up because I need to get to you on film. Nice shirt today, Lyle, by the way. Did your wife pick that one out? Yes, she did. Okay, question of the day today is, why do people fast and should we fast and how do you fast? Okay, all right. There are a number of different aspects to that question. Mm -hmm. So first of all, look at a couple of biblical, biblical examples in Acts chapter 13. Um, in verse 2, the Bible says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Oh, sorry, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. What you often find in the Bible is that fasting and praying goes together mm-hmm. and is typically associated with a decision that is of particular gravity. So there's something really important that is going to take place and so they fast and they pray. This is not something you do every day. If you fast and prayed every day, you wouldn't eat and you would die. That's the uh, result of not eating. We all know that. it's true. Okay, so you've got examples like this. Another one would be in chapter 14. I think if we go over to uh, verse 23, where is it here? Uh, 14 verse and when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed so fasting and prayer often goes together so the question is first of all why is it that you would fast along with praying there are a number of different aspects to this first of all Fasting can be a way to clear your mind. If you've been eating a lot of heavy food, you know how it goes. You get that lead weight in your gut and your brain is just cloudy and you want to have that special connection with God. And so that's an opportunity where you can fast and pray. Your mind will clear out as your body clears out and detoxes itself through that fasting process. The second thing is that it gives us an environment in in which we are continually reminded to be focused on God. And so during the day, you've got lots of different things that you're going to be involved in during the day that you know distract you from your relationship with God. And as a result of that, when you fast, you've got that continual reminder in the pit of your tummy to be focused on God and to be focused on asking God about the issue that is at stake that you are praying about. Another issue that is worth taking into consideration is this. When we fast and pray, we demonstrate that this is not just a casual request that we're making of God, but this is something that we are taking very, very seriously. 
And this provides an environment in which God can act. You see, when God comes down to this earth and God wants to act, Satan is always there to get in his way and say, no, you can't intervene in this person's life. You can't do this. You can't do that because they have given, you know, they, they might be my servants or whatever. Satan will always have an argument. Mm. Because someone is praying, God can say, no, I have every right to be here. I am here by special request. And you have no right whatsoever at all to deny that request. When somebody fasts and prays, God can say, I'm here by special request of somebody who is fasting and praying. They are taking this very, very seriously, and I'm going to take it very, very seriously as well. You know, Satan could, could stand back and say, oh, you know, you, you told me you'd give me this earth or you allowed me to have access to this earth so that I could demonstrate whether my way is better to rule the world or not. And you're just getting in the way. You're messing it all up. God's like, no, I'm here by request and I'm here by special request because these people are fasting and praying. Now, there was more to your question than that. What were some of the sub-questions that went with it? Oh, like how to fast and, and should we fast? You know. Okay, there are some people who should not fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, who? Diabetics, do not fast. This is not a good idea. Fair enough. People with fast metabolisms. I struggle to fast. If I fast an entire day, 24 hours by the end of that day because of my fast metabolism, I become dizzy. By the end of the day, I have trouble walking, that kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who really shouldn't skip more than two meals. Mm-hmm. And there are other people like that. But Mon, you just went on a fast. How long did your fast last for? Oh, I'm actually, yeah, I must not have, I must have a really slow metabolism because I can go for like 30 days or more. Yeah, yeah. on a juice fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. And now this is a different kind of fast and the Bible talks about different kinds of fast. You have Daniel who goes on a fast very similar to what you did. Paul talks about fasting from sex at different times and just to spend that special time with God. So there are a number of different ways of fasting in the Bible that are um, an opportunity to, be, to, to draw closer to God. Oh, thank you so much for answering that, Lyle. If you have a question, you can give us a call here at Faith FM. The number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Give us a call. Ask us your questions. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not
walk through the shadow of death I would fear no You're listening to Anders Svensson right there with uh, Goodness and Mercy here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show and we are about to give something away, so you need to grab your phone because you need to call right now. Be the first caller through. Uh, yes, indeed. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. 1-800-324-843. First person through will get a copy of The Life-Changing Story of Jesus, a book called Messiah by Jerry D. Thomas. Mm, On the back it says... I have not read this. No, it's a beautiful book. For long centuries, the world waited for the promised one, for the Messiah. Have you been waiting for him too? Jesus, the world's Messiah, loves you. Yes, you, no matter who you are. He knows your life, your joys, your sorrow. The story of his life will show you just how much he loves you and the price he was willing to pay so you could live forever with him. For more than 2,000 years now, people just like you have felt the power of the story of Jesus. When you see who he is, you'll begin to see the kind of life he wants for you. Find out for yourself why this story has touched so many for so long. See and feel the power of his love, his life, and his promise to you. I guess it was the story that changed uh, the jailer's heart there. Absolutely. Him and his household. And Lydia and her household, they were all baptized. Two households there in that city. Right there in Philippi. Yep. Founded the church right there. Uh, and you too can have the same story touch your heart. So give us a call now and get a copy of Messiah by Jerry D. Thomas. I'll put a picture of it up on our social media. It'll probably be gone by then. But yeah, have a go. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. And don't forget, if you'd like to make donations towards uh, helping the farmers with the drought through ADRI, you can give us a call here on 1-800-324-843. We can make that happen for you. Um, or you can go direct to ADRA through their website, adra.org.au. There's been a bit of an emphasis at the moment, one that we need to be making. But right now you need to stay tuned because we have some amazing programming coming up right after this and we look forward to joining you tomorrow morning.
surprise.